Today is Thursday, December 8th. Today in the news, we have John Legend getting preferential treatment from police despite calling to defund the police. Brittany Griner is now in U.S. custody after the exchange for, uh, for Russian prisoner called the Merchant of Death. Congratulations, WNBA. Your trade has made headlines. And Project Veritas exposes a school dean for handing out sex toys to minors. Pretty disgusting. And proof that the FBI is, quote, working with Twitter after all. I am your host, Anthony Cabasa. This is Informed Daily. Let's get right into it. So for the first one, I actually have a, a bonus round here, I guess, of sorts. This is your favorite Democratic Socialist, Miss AOC, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Uh, I was actually sent this article right before we started. Didn't really mean to make it like a, a thing. There's really not much here. Anyways, but the reason why she is on the Forbes magazine, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is under investigation by House Ethics Committee. That's right. So it says here, the House Committee on Ethics is investigating Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Let me just bring that up for you guys. The House Committee on Ethics is investigating Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, according to a statement the panel issued on Wednesday. The statement, which did not provide many details about the inquiry, said that the panel will announce its course of action after its organizational meeting in the next Congress sometime in 2023. Spokesperson for Ocasio-Cortez said that she was confident that she that the case would be dismissed. The congresswoman, and this is a quote, the congresswoman has al always taken ethics incredibly seriously, refusing any donations from lobbyists, corporations, or other special interests. Spokesperson Lauren Hitt said in a statement. So we don't necessarily know what all this, this will entail, but it does look like it has something to do with donations from lobbyists, corporations, or other special interests. Because otherwise, why would they mention this one specific thing in a comment to the media? So again, the congresswoman has always taken ethics incredibly seriously, refusing any donations from lobbyists, corporations, or other special interests. So I guess uh, she is under investigation for something to do with money. That's usually what does it for people. But uh, we're going to jump into this uh, John Legend story. Obviously, I saw that it was trending yesterday. It was a little bit interesting. But this is uh, Bill Malugan over at Bill Fox LA. New, in an email sent today, a senior official in the Los Angeles DA's district attorneys, George Gascon admin, took urgent interest in a case involving the attempted theft of a Porsche belonging to John Legend, one of Gascon's top celebrity supporters. Critics in the office call this blatant special treatment. And then he also linked the screenshot there. We have Bolo Singer, uh, John Legend, victim of attempted auto theft. This looks like it was sent out November 30th, 2022. And it says news outlets are reporting that an unnamed person was arrested for attempting to steal John Legend's Porsche somewhere in Los Angeles. Case potentially due today. Please be on the lookout for this case. Please text Susan Rose or me immediately if you see the ECERQ. Thank you, uh, John Harlan, acting head deputy of uh, the division with the DA. So it looks like emails are being disclosed that, uh, you know, the email was sent to prosecutors by John Harlan, the acting head deputy of charge uh, evaluation division. He asked for the case to be tracked and wants immediate updates. Well, of course, this guy is donating money to the the, the, the DA. So this is one of his celebrity uh, buddies. Why wouldn't they write preferential treatment, folks? Critics in office say cars are stolen daily. Average Joes don't get treatment emails like this on their cases. Again, no surprise here, folks. And then it goes into the actual article uh, that was linked. John Legend explains, or no, rather, uh, LA County uh, DA text interest. So that's just a link from Fox News basically explaining that there's preferential treatment for John Legend after his Porsche was stolen. And then this is John Legend himself uh, basically going into, uh, or going back into his whole uh, defund the police. It says, John Legend explains what it means to defund the police. As protests persist across, and this is, again, going back to June 9th, 2020th, as protests persist across the nation in response to police brutality and the murder of George Floyd, a movement has emerged with many impelling cities to defund their police departments. The movement to defund police has been met with confusion, some fearing that massive cutbacks to funding for local police enforcement in order to redirect or marginalize communities to focus on social justice and social services, education, mental health, yada, yada, yada. John Legend said... I know this word defund has caused some controversy, even from some who are inclined to agree with a lot of the underlying arguments, uh, wrote Legend. Some hear that word and envision the purge, some dystopian descent into anarchy. 
And this is, a, of course, his uh, tweet. And then he goes, legend continue by simply stating facts, pointing out that huge portions of a city's budget is directly funneled into police departments, funds that could be allocated to benefit social service programs like healthcare and education. Uh, and then in the last quote here, it says police funding takes up a huge portion of our local budgets. Budgets are more mor- are moral documents which spell out in black and white what our priorities are. We have finite amounts of money to spend. And right now we spend far too much on policing. And that choice comes at a cost. So, again, this is John Legend back. And, and you can see the tweets here on the screen, June 7, 2020th. Obviously, you had a lot of celebrities that were calling for the defunding of the police. This was at the height of the George Floyd riots, what we call the summer of love, right? Where uh, the left and 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 defund the police uh, activists and abolitionists took to the summer to peacefully, uh, fiery, but mostly peaceful, actually, I think was a correct uh, CNN headline, uh, basically saying that, hey, we need to start cutting police departments. They receive too much funding already. Um, and John Legend was one of them. Well, then why is he now working with the DA to expedite the process to get preferential treatment from LAPD and making sure that his lost or stolen Porsche gets preferential treatment when, as the tweet said, preferential treatment is not given to the average Joe. So here you have John Legend wanting to defund the police, wanting to come back on police spending. Arguably, you could even say that, hey, maybe because of people like John Legend, there were departments or there was money given to departments within the LAPD that did a better job at theft, at at, at stolen Porsches, but they were defunded. Those budgets were were taken out, were, were removed, and, and not just necessarily Los Angeles, but across the nation altogether. But now they can't do their job because people like John Legend, who are demanding that his lost Porsche is found, hmm, it kind of seems like we're in a conundrum here, huh? So it kind of seems like, hey, John Legend, maybe you should go find your lost Porsche, or maybe you and your wife are, are pretty wealthy people. Maybe you should hire like private security or private investigators to go and do this. Why are you cozying up to your good friend, DA uh, George Gascon, to make sure that the LAPD is doing everything they can? The same police that you called to defund. Now, all of a sudden, you want these people to please help my, my stolen Porsche. I'm sure he can afford another one, but hey, let's get the police involved. And if I would, you know... <sighs> If I was the detective in charge of that, and I'm like, I'm sorry, who wants to know about their stolen Porsche? Oh, John Legend? Oh, the guy that called to defund our department? Yeah, okay. You let him know, we'll get right on that. But hey, preferential treatment, I guess, right? That's just the way it is. Talking about preferential treatment, here we have WNBA star Brittany Griner released from Russian custody in a high-profile prisoner swap between the U.S. and Moscow. So today, what's, what's interesting before I dive right into this, I watched a White House press briefing right before I came live, and obviously there was a lot of questions about why did we just do this? Why did we just... You know, for all the backlash, all the uh, denouncing Russia as our greatest enemy, so on and so forth. Why is it that we just traded with Russia? And the response was, well, we did. We found other means of communicating with Moscow in order for the ex- exchange to happen. It's not like the president actually sat down with Putin and negotiated. So the excuse of this trade was, well, it wasn't necessarily the president talking to Putin. So, hey, it's all good. But I'll just jump into this real quick. And it says, Washington, WNBA star Brittany Griner is free Thursday after the Biden administration negotiated her release from a Russian penal colony in exchange for an arms dealer, according to a senior administration official. President Joe Biden signed off on the trade, which took place in the United Arab Emirates, even though it meant leaving behind Paul Whelan or Wellen, I want to say it's Wellen, an American corporate security executive who remains jailed in Russia. She is safe. She is on a plane. She is on her way home. Biden said in remarks from the White House on Thursday morning, she will soon be back in the arms of her loved ones, and she should have been there all along. Quote, I'm proud that today we have made one more family whole, Biden said, adding that he will continue to work to free Wellen. 
uh, this is the prior Marine, we'll keep negotiating for Paul's relief. I guarantee it. Now, if you're wondering who this Paul Wellen is and who, well, I think most importantly, who is this Russian arms dealer who's dubbed or whose alias is the merchant of death? Why are we trading someone that hates America for someone called the merchant of death? Let's find out who this guy is. It says here, in the 2005 Nicolas Cage movie, Lord of War, the character loosely based on Russian arms dealer Victor Bout, Victor Bout evades his American law enforcement pursuers. By the way, great movie, Lord of War. As soon as I saw that, I'm like, yep, that's definitely based on true events. Uh, it says, apparently saved by the CIA. But in real life, the U.S. government set up an elaborate operation in 2008 to capture and prosecute Bout dubbed the Merchant of Death because he was said to be one of the world's largest illicit arms dealers. Now he is on his way back to Russia after a high-profile prisoner exchange that saw WNBA star Brittany Griner free early Thursday. The long rumored exchange had sparked a debate over whether the U.S. should give in to blackmail given the disparity between the case of Bout, who was lawfully convicted of serious crimes, wanting to kill Americans, for example, and Griner, who faced a stacked Russian justice system and was considered by U.S. officials to be a hostage. I would like that trade said My Michael McFowell, a former U.S. ambassador to Russia, speaking in July, long before the prisoner swap. It says, Bout 55 was sentenced to 25 years in federal prison in 2012 after he was convicted of selling arms to Colombian rebels, which prosecutors said were intended to kill Americans. What? The Russian government had been demanding his release ever since, saying that he was unfairly targeted. Now, what I will say about this, so obviously this guy, Bout, uh, uh, Victor Bout, uh, dubbed the Merchant of Death. Uh, here he is. For those of you kind of uh, tuned into the video portion here, um, sentenced to 25 years. And what I find really interesting, and this is something that leader Kevin McCarthy, he was on Fox News earlier today, and, and they basically asked him, what do you think about this exchange? And I think he actually made a pretty good point. He said, we all know that Russia basically ramped up these charges against Brittany Griner. We know that she shouldn't have been, I think she was sentenced to what, like 10 years in prison or something for possession of marijuana or illegal narcotics. I think, I think that's what it was. We all know, come on, right? Sure, she hates America. Sure, she's very woke. Sure, she's a leftist. You can make those arguments. Does she deserve to be in prison for 10 years or, or over a decade or whatever it was for possession of marijuana? Now, I understand when you go to other countries, hey, respect their laws. Don't, don't just, you know, don't just think that you can just go somewhere, break the law and, and, and not be expected to be held responsible for it, for the things you did, especially if they warned you beforehand. Hey, these are our laws. Please respect them. But what, what Kevin McCarthy was basically saying, and, and again, I, I found it to be a, a good point, was he said, I believe that Russia trumped up these charges against Brittany Griner, someone who is very famous, held her hostage because this was their ultimate goal. They wanted Victor Bout, a.k.a. the Merchant of Death, to be released. He was arrested back in, in, in 2012. Um uh, or if that's the year exactly, uh, or 2008. Yeah, 2008, sorry, not 2012. Um, and since then, they've been working to, to get this guy out of there. So in comes Brittany Griner. Here she has illegal substances. Then it gets up to the Kremlin, I'm sure. And they're like, hey, we have this very famous celebrity from America that broke the law. And they're like, wait. Who do we have in America that we're trying to free? Oh, that's right. The Merchant of Death. Yeah, let's go ahead and uh, punish her severely. And then in exchange, if they ever want her released, let's go ahead and ask for the Merchant of Death, right? So I thought that that was a very interesting point. I think it sets a very bad precedent uh, for Joe Biden to be doing these kind of deals is basically anyone... Uh, that that goes to Russia and is arrested for a bogus charge, uh, they can now be arrested. And whoever, like, they're just going to be held hostage. They're going to be trumped up on bogus charges. And then Russia can just come back and say, well, sure, we're willing to give you this person 
in exchange for this person, in this case, Brittany Griner for the Merchant of Death. I think it's a bad deal all around. I think it sets a bad precedent. I think that, I think that there was a lot of political pressure, outside pressure by many entities. Obviously, this person is very famous, right? That WNBA player. And there was a lot of social justice movements for her. There was a lot of phone calls being made. There was a lot of pressure by the media. I, you know, I, I tune into almost every single White House press briefing daily because I want to know what the White House has to comment on all the things going on, uh, both here nationally and, of course, uh, foreign. And so uh, I wanted to, you know, I've, I've heard many times the media basically say what's being done for Brittany Griner, what is being done for Brittany Griner. And even today they said, you know, hey, uh, here you have Joe Biden saying that he would do anything uh, to not only have the release of Brittany Griner, but also the U.S. Marine that is still in prison, by the way, uh, also on allegedly bogus charges of espionage or, or spying, supposed to being a U.S. spy, and which everyone claims is not true. The U.S. claims it's not true, and also the Marine says it's not true. Um, but it, but if the president is not even willing to talk to Vladimir Putin, then how can the president say he's willing to do everything? And that is when I found out today that it was via other channels of communication that the exchange was basically done. So it, in this article, we basically see that Biden signed off on it. It doesn't necessarily mean he negotiated it. So somebody negotiated it. I obviously wouldn't expect the president to have to negotiate these things. He just signed off on these. You know, I, I don't see him picking up the phone, but I, I got to say, there's a point to be made here. If you claim to say we're doing everything we can, that should include making phone calls to to presidents or, or prime ministers or leaders of these nations and saying, what are we doing here? And of course, we have here President, uh, former President Donald J. Trump. He had something to say about this. He says, what kind of a deal is it to swap Brittany Griner, a basketball player who openly hates our country, for the man known as, quote, the merchant of death? who is one of the biggest arms dealers anywhere in the world and responsible for tens of thousands of deaths and horrific injuries. Why wasn't former Marine Paul Whelan included in this totally one-sided transaction? We would have been let out. Uh, he would have been let out for, uh, for the asking. What a stupid and unpatriotic embarrassment for the USA. Again, you know, you can, you can say whatever you want about the WNBA player. I, I understand she broke the law. Right. And, and, and taking the illegal substance over. And I think that uh, the press secretary, John Pierre, I think she kind of brought a, a pretty interesting point when when people were kind of grilling her today for saying, why would you allow something like this to happen? Like this person hates our country. And then John Pierre basically said, yes, but she is an American after all. I, I, I tend to agree with that sentiment. Americans, if, if we if we can help, especially when the charges are bogus, we should be willing to help. I just again, I, I fear for the president. It sets. It basically means like, hey, if any famous person goes to any hostile country or enemy country, those famous people can probably just be taken away, or 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 the the, the government can just kind of keep track of them. Like, okay, we're just going to wait for them to commit some kind of, you know, illegal. Uh, act uh, or, or break the law, and then we're just going to hold them here. And then in exchange, we'll just, you know, get an American prisoner that's our guy, merchants of death, merchants of whatever, and then just make sure that, you know, these people are brought home. So I, I'm kind of like on the fence on this. Uh, obviously, I think that um, it was a really bad deal. The merchant of death, that's, that's not good. <laughs> but, um, I, and, and I kind of tend to agree here with Trump, but, Mm. I'm sure Brittany Griner is really happy to be home. And I and, and here's here's what I will say on the overall thing is I really, really hope she's she learned she learns her lesson. And I hope that when she comes back, she kisses the ground and she realizes, hey, maybe I shouldn't be bashing this country that I took for granted. I see how other countries are ran. I see how terroristic they are. I see how their government is corrupt and their judicial system is corrupt. Maybe I'm going to start appreciating America a lot more. And so, you know, good for her, good for her family, of course, you know, regardless of what anyone thinks, this is a human being, this is a person that just wants to come back. I hope she learns her lesson. And I hope that when she comes back, she takes America, not for granted, but but I, I hope that she really genuinely becomes a strong advocate of this is why I love America. So 
hey, lesson learned, I hope, right? And then uh, j just lastly, to conclude this little uh, piece right here, this is a CNN. Uh, this is actually a uh, uh, a piece with Paul Wellen, which is the uh, Marine uh, that is still in Russia, by the way. So it says exclusives. Uh, Paul Wellen tells CNN he is disappointed that more has not been done to secure his release. This is dated today, December 8th. This is Washington. Detained American Paul Willen expresses frustration that more has not been done to secure his release in an exclusive CNN interview hours after another detained American, Brittany Griner, was freed. Willen said he was happy that Griner was released, but told CNN, quote, I am greatly disappointed that more has not been done to secure my release, especially as a four-year anniversary of my arrest is coming up. I was arrested for a crime that never occurred. He said on a phone call from the penal colony where he is being held in a remote part of Russia. I don't understand why I'm still sitting here. The interview took place shortly after President Joe Biden standing alongside Griner's wife, uh, Sherelle, at the White House. Also expressed regret that the U.S. had not been able to get uh, Willen out. Biden vowed the U.S. would never give up on him. U.S. officials said the Russians refused to negotiate his release. This was not a situation where we had a choice of which American to bring home. It was a choice between bringing home one particular American, Brittany Griner, or bringing home none. A U.S. senior administ uh, administration official said Thursday morning, Wellen said he was surprised that he had been left behind. Quote, I was led to believe that things were moving in the right direction and that the governments were negotiating and that something would happen fairly soon. Wellen, a former Marine who is a U.S., Irish, British, and Canadian citizen. Well, this guy has a quadruple citizenship. That's kind of crazy. A former Marine who is a U.S., Irish, British, and Canadian citizen was detained at Moscow Hotel at a Moscow hotel in December 2018 by Russian authorities who alleged he was involved in an intelligence operation. He was convicted and sentenced in June 2020 to 16 years in prison in a trial U.S. officials denounced as unfair. All right, guys, you guys might hate me for what I'm about to say, but four citizenships. I've watched a lot of movies and usually spies. It's like a prerequisite to being a spy, right? <laughs> I'm looking at my producer right now and he's like laughing and like nodding his head like, yeah, that's a little sus, bro. I, I Again, former U.S. Marine, thank you for his service. I hope he can also be brought home. I hope justice is served. But four citizenships? Yeah, that's almost like a... <laughs> I've seen the movies, bro. You know, like I've seen all 007s. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm. okay. But with that, again, not, not, not trying to disparage this Marine. If he is innocent, I hope justice is served. Absolutely. Now with this, on some lighter news, if we can even really call it that <laughs> okay this one when i saw this this is kind of insane what is happening here i'm gonna i'm gonna go ahead and and i think when you hear what you're about to hear you it's almost gonna be unbelievable just how bad things i've gotten in the united states but specifically the department of education specifically education specifically children and what's being taught at these schools. So this is Project Veritas, breaking. Uh, this is his name of the school, Parker uh, School uh, Dean of Students. This, uh, so this is a Dean of Students brags about bringing in LGBTQ plus health center to teach, quote, queer sex to minors. Quote, passing around dildos and butt plugs. Kids are just playing with them using lube versus using spit. That's a really like cool part of my job. Señor Santísimo, bro. Like when I saw this, I I couldn't believe and and here's the video for you guys. Oh gosh. I had like our LGBT I'm just going to read for the people not visually being able to see this it says this is joseph bruno dean of students francis w parker school chicago illinois i had like our lgbtq plus health center come in they were passing around butt plugs and dildos to my students talking about queer sex using blue versus using spit meet joe bruno dean of students at the prestigious francis w parker private school in chicago which happens to charge forty thousand dollars per student 
<laughs> this is a private school that charges people $40,000 a year? I missed that part. I'm sorry. Come again? No, they're just like plastic dildos, butt plugs. The kids are just playing with them. They're like, how do you, how does this book work? How do we do, like... How does this work? That's a really like a cool part of my job. Parents might be stunned to learn that Bruno's version of love and acceptance means handing out sex toys to underage students. So I've been the dean for four years. During Pride, we do a Pride week every year. And I had, um, I had like our LGBTQ plus health center come in. They were passing around butt plugs and dildos to my students, talking about queer sex, using blue versus using spit. Who is this? This is uh, an LGBTQ plus health center came in to talk to my high school students. Nice. They're just like passing around dildos, butt plugs. The kids are just playing with them. They're looking at them. In the school? In, in a classroom. Wow. Yeah. While I'm sitting there. Then we had a drag queen come in, uh, pass out cookies and brownies and do photos. That's so amazing. And everybody's cool with that, like the clothes and the dildos. Yeah. No big complaints. No. I mean, if the parents found out, but they... No. It's queer sex. This is the drag queen that came in. What's her name? Uh, Alexis Bevels. Alexis Bevels. And just hung out in my classroom. And was there... Or hung out in my office. You have so much freedom. So much wiggle room. So much freedom. So much money. Okay, bro. Let me pause this for a second. Like, the fact that people still openly admit these things, it looks like they're like, what, at a Starbucks? Because, of course, Starbucks. But, no. The fact that he's, like, asking all these questions, like, in an interview style, like, oh, what's the name of that? Oh, where were you? What's your name? It's like, you know, I have like an ongoing joke with like all my journalist friends and like, dude, one day we're all going to be caught like on a hot mic by an FBI informant. And so like sometimes we'll make jokes where like if someone says something that, you know, is a, a little spicy, if someone says something that's not necessarily politically correct, you know, we kind of like make fun of it and we're, we kind of like pretend to grab like a a, a, like a undercover mic and we're like, can you say that again? You know, like, who did you say you work for? Like, this is literally what's happening. And this guy's like, yeah, I'll answer all your questions. What other questions do you have? Like, like, you know, there's like a meme that says like, if you're on a date with a hot girl that kind of looks like a man and they're asking you questions about your job, it's probably James O'Keefe with a wig. You know what I mean? Like, there comes a point where you have to come to the realization like, wow, what an odd sequence of questions this person is asking me. Uh-oh, maybe I'm being James O'Keefe right now. You know what I'm saying? Like, and this person is just like, oh, yeah, like whatever you want to know. So, I mean, come on, Joseph Bruno, because, of course, his name is Joseph Bruno. And, of course, he has a mustache like that, right? I mean, come on. And then his haircut. Oh, my goodness. Okay, I'm going to play the rest of it for you guys. I mean, trustees are okay with that, too? Oh, yeah. They don't know. Oh, the trustees are okay with that, too? Oh, they don't know. Remember, there's a huge difference between a public school and a private school. Like, imagine paying that much. Imagine working hard all your life as parents to secure a better education for your children. And then you go around your job and you're like, yeah, my, my, my children are in private schools. And then bam, this is the private school. Mm, butt plugs. I mean, you know. They would, it's like, we, I wouldn't even like run it by them. Like, why would I run it by them? They'd be like, oh my God, that's wonderful. Oh, yeah. With the kids that with the classroom, 14, 18. They're like, how do you? This is, this is what I'm saying. Oh, and how old were the kids in your classroom? Like, come on, man. How tone deaf are you? You're obviously being set up. You know, like. <laughs> how many more questions? I'm breaking character here because this is just the most insane thing, like. How long do you have to sit there with a sequence of questions for you to realize you're probably on a hot mic, guy, you know? And this is just like going off, you know? This is just...
<laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, let's finish this up. There's still more to go. How does this work? How do we do like how does this work? Um so yeah, that's a really like a cool part of my job is I don't have to worry about stuff like that. Oh, okay. A cool part of my job is I don't have to worry really about being exposed. Joke's on you. You've just been exposed. This is some pretty gnarly stuff. And and what's even more interesting is, so following this, by the way, the school deleted its social media. It deleted its Instagram. It deleted its Twitter because of course, right? Who, who wants to stay up on social media while there's viral video of your dean of students at a private school, by the way, saying, yes, this is what we do. It's awesome that we can do this. So this second video is actually even better because if you don't know who Project Veritas is, which by the way, one of the last real investigative journalism like organizations ever to exist, of course, they're going to label it as right-wing propaganda, right-wing media, because all they do is just like, hey, did you know that this is going on? And then they put it on camera for you to hear, just like you just did for a couple of seconds. So this is now a follow-up. And so, again, if you don't know Project Veritas, what they do is they release the videos, but then they also follow up with the person on the video. So here you have James O'Keefe at the school. And he's about to confront that dean and about to ask him, like, hey, bud, what's going on? So here it is for you. Joe Bruno. Yes. Hi there. Um, James O'Keefe with Project Veritas. Hell no to the no, no, no. You're on camera here talking about giving anal. Oh. Oh. I mean, immediately the guy's like, nah, he first like, so here's James approaching him like, hey, are you this person? He's like, yeah, here I am. He's already kind of apprehensive. His physiognomy. I mean, look, look at those jeans that he's wearing, bro. Also, he's got his socks over his pants. That's already like a telltale sign that something is very wrong here. But also, let's continue. I don't want to ruin this for you guys. But I, the one thing I don't necessarily like is that it appears like this is during school hours because there's a lot of children present and they had to blur out their, their videos. But hey, if this is the only time you can catch this guy, let's go ahead and catch this guy, right? So now he's walking back into the school. You're on camera here talking about giving anal sex toys and butt plugs to little children. Oh. They're just like passing on dildos, butt plugs. The kids are just playing with them. Sir, why are you running? Why are you running away? Are you running? Sir, anal butt plugs and toys? Excuse me? Bruno, just, uh, excuse me, um, this, this guy, this teacher is talking about giving sex toys to your children. This is a space where we're dismissing children. Right. Can you actually evacuate the patio? Right, but he was giving sex toys to the children. I have, I have children here. Isn't it ironic? Don't you think? Please evacuate. We're, we're leaving. Um, but he was, he was talking about giving sex toys to children. Thank you, we're we understand we're reporters asking someone a question. We are leaving. All right. So now it looks like school security has arrived and they're like, hey, you, you guys actually have to just completely leave the premises. And so they end up going into the, uh, the sidewalk here. But yeah, this is um, this is really interesting stuff. I, I mean, Again, I, I really feel like this is like the last real investigative journalist news organization out there. And I, and I think that what they've done in the past has been amazing uh, to be able to kind of highlight and show uh, not just what's happening in politics with, with bad political candidates, with bad politicians. But they're, now they're starting to dive into like the whole school system and, and, hey, this is what's going on. And look, you might not like the style of investigative journalism. You might think it's like gotcha journalism, right? But this is this is real investigative journalism. This is having to go undercover, having to kind of get people comfortable and be like, tell us, tell us what it is you guys do here. And again, whether you agree with this style or not, I, I think that every parent has the right to know exactly what's happening in their in their children's school. And it's not even just 
hey, here's what's happening to the children in your children's school. Are you okay with this? But it's like showing the nation that this is a curriculum that's now being instructed to minors, right? Whether you think it's, um, you know, he did say it was 14 to 18 years old. This is a K through 12 school, by the way. I, I researched this. I don't know if all K through 12 students are there per se uh, in that same school. Like I, I know there's some schools that uh, well, I guess it's a private school. So maybe they do have all K through 12 at that one facility. But sometimes these schools are broken down, you know, due uh, to different uh, grade schools and stuff. But this is really insane what's happening. And, and you know, I, I, I kind of lost it right there because this is just really insane what's happening. What's being taught in the schools, what teachers are getting away with them saying like, oh, I, I don't have to tell anybody, you know, like we're, we're, we're just kind of keeping it to ourselves and we don't even tell the board of trustees. We don't have to tell the board of, super, you know, we, we don't have to, we, we can just do this. And to say like, I love doing this, like that to me is like the grimy part, you know, like that, that's where, that's where I have a problem when, when someone enjoys handing out like sex toys to children to minors and saying like, oh, I love be like watching them like experiment and like watching them hold these things and like teaching them to use lube instead of spit like that. That's just disgusting to me. I'll be I'll, I'm just going to be frank. That to me is disgusting. This is not something that a teacher or a dean or anybody should be discussing with children in, in a school platform. This is this is stuff that even as a parent, I would never I have three children. I'd never like people are like, oh, well, if you don't teach them, the school will. Neither I or my or the school should be teaching my children about sex toys. Like, hey, if you want to call me a prude, you want to call me, oh, here you are, the Christian conservative. This is not that like, no, I'm not going to do this. This is disgusting. Like, what is wrong with you? And and I, and I really hope that, you know, a, a, according to this report, that the school has been notified. Um, the school knows and is aware. They put out basically a statement saying like, oh, hey, we, you know, we support this. And, and this is just part of our inclusive, you know, sex uh, curriculum. We're not really going to do anything about it. That's that that is disgusting to me. So now we're at the point where it's no longer hidden. It's now out for everybody to see. It's just to the point where they no longer care. They just say, oh, yeah, we know about this. So therefore, we just don't care. What are you going to do about it? And and the, and the, realistically, no one outside of the community is really the ones that can do anything about it. What am I here in California going to do about it? There's nothing we can do, right? But I'm hoping that the parents get to see this. There's probably a lot of angry parents, especially if you're paying $40,000 a year tuition or up to $40,000. If they see this, and I hope that they say, this is wrong, right? Because at the end of the day, where are the parents? Why are parents not well aware of what's happening? Did they form, did they sign per permission slips? Or just like this dean didn't advise the board of trustees, did they also not advise the parents? Hey, for all we know, every single parent of every one of these students agreed and consented to this. Or maybe to uh, uh, a, a little bit of it, but didn't know how far it was going to go. So, you know, I, I again, that's why I like this style of investigative journalism. Expose it and then... Let people watch what's happening because you know what that does, even though I don't live in that area, it makes me want to go home and to ask my children, what are you learning in school? It, it reminds me constantly of like, hey, what are you learning in school? What is sex education like? What have they taught you? And not just sex education, but history. What do they teach you in history? What do they teach you in math? Right. Just making sure like, hey, are we on track here? Are we making a good decision in keeping you in the school that, you know, at least in my area, it's, it's known to be a good area school. It's supposed to be a good curriculum, et cetera. That's what I need to do. Right. But with that, we'll go and we'll transition right into this last story. And this one is really interesting. This is, again, Matt Taibbi. So for those of you who do not know, uh, Elon Musk has been dropping the Twitter files. Uh, he did one major drop and then he said he was going uh, to basically he released all the information in regards, or at least a lot of information, not all, but a lot of information regarding the Hunter Biden laptop story that was buried by Twitter, that was suppressed, uh, that we now know about. And last time I talked about the Twitter files, I said that according to Matt Taibbi, they have, uh, they said that there is no government involvement. Well, now that is changing. So these are thread Twitter files supplemental. 
And I'm going to bring this up for you guys so you guys can see here. But again, you can see this is December 6th. Uh, thread, Twitter file supplemental. This is at M Taibi, T-A-I-B-B-I on Twitter. On Friday, the first installment of the Twitter files was published here. We expected to publish more over the weekend. Many wondered why there was a delay. We can now tell you part of the reason why. On Tuesday, Twitter Deputy General Counsel and former FBI General Counsel Jim Baker was fired. Among the reasons, vetting the first batch of Twitter files without knowledge of new management. The process for producing the Twitter files involved delivery to two journalists, Barry Weiss and me, Matt Taibbi, via a lawyer close to new management. However, after the initial batch, things became complicated. Over the weekend, while we both dealt with obstacles to new searches, it was at Barry Weiss who discovered that the person in charge of releasing the files was someone named Jim. When she called to ask Jim's last name, the answer came back, Jim Baker. Quote, my jaw hit the floor, says Weiss. The first batch of files both reporters received was marked Spectra Baker emails. Baker is a controversial figure. He has been something of a zealot of FBI controversies dating back all the way to 2016 from the Steele dossier to the alpha server mess. He resigned in 2018 after an investigation into leaks to the press. The news that Baker was reviewing the Twitter files surprised everyone involved, to say the least. New Twitter chief Elon Musk acted quickly to exit Baker Tuesday, another word for fire him. Reporters resumed search, uh, searches through Twitter files material, a lot of it today. The next installment of the Twitter files will appear at Barry Weiss. Stay tuned. And as of right now, Thursday, December 8th, 1.52 p.m., uh, that those files have not been released as of now. Uh, they might have been dropped while we were kind of going over uh, today's uh, news, but of course, I will keep you guys up to date. Now, why is this important? Well, this is important because of what he just said. Baker is a controversial figure. He has been something of a zealot of FBI controversies dating back to 2016. Going back to what exactly? The Steele dossier. If you guys don't remember the Steele dossier, that was basically the premise that Hillary Clinton campaign ran on, that Donald Trump's campaign was basically working with Russia and that they had the Steele dossier that basically uh, alleged, and, and this has all been proven to be completely false, by the way, that the Donald Trump campaign or Donald Trump himself was somehow uh, working with Russia to e either influence elections and that he had ties to Russia and that he owed Putin favors or whatever the case might be. It, it was a whole disaster. And the person behind it was Jim Baker out of Twitter. And it was so bad with Jim Baker, he ended up getting fired, terminated, I believe, from the FBI. But then he came and worked over at Twitter insane so this article here by the national review baker and fbi election interference that's right election interference of the 2020 presidential election by baker and the fbi well here it is evidence that they interfered so it's been a long time it's been a long travel day so just waiting on this now this is the author here andrew mccarthy news broke tuesday night that twitter boss elon musk had fired the company's deputy general counsel jim baker who had been the fbi's general counsel during the russiagate scandal in connection with the 2016 presidential election and its aftermath baker was hired by twitter in the mid 2020 interesting timing i might say just in time to play a key role in the social media platform suppression of the biden corruption scandal reporting by the new york post in the weeks before election day according to reporting on twitter by journalist matt taibbi baker was terminated because he was found to be vetting without Musk's knowledge internal company files that musk had decided to disclose publicly through Taibbi and another independent journalist, Barry Weiss, the Twitter files in question relate to its deliberations over suppressing the post-October 2020 Biden reporting. Early on Tuesday, we published my lengthy column, yada, yada, yada. It kind of goes on. But again, this is really interesting. You have this same lawyer that was fired by the FBI because of the Steele dossier and other things that ended up being completely false. 
And then he gets hired by Twitter mid-2020. And surprise, surprise, wouldn't you have it? This guy is now working to actively suppress information to interfere with a presidential election. What more evidence do people need to know that something malicious was happening between big tech, FBI, and specific campaigns, specific politicians, specific political figures to interfere with the 2020 election? Again, this has, I'm not implicating anything else. I'm not insinuating anything else outside of what is being discovered. And it's like I tell people all the time because they always tell me, but Anthony, this is going to change nothing. It, it doesn't necessarily have to change anything. Now we know. We know what is happening here. And this is, I'm glad Elon Musk basically got, uh, got you know, got fired this guy. And, and I'm glad he no longer is working there. There's no reason why this same man is, is working for Twitter. And he is the one vetting all of the information that Elon Musk is requesting. So imagine someone very corrupt that you already know is politically biased, has been fired by the FBI and now fired by big tech. This guy was colluding to, to make up fake dossiers and, 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 and now vetting and, and who knows what else to the extent that this guy, you know, work with the FBI to, to make sure to suppress this stuff. But now we have empirical evidence that, this here you have this guy who's uh, counsel for for the FBI. Uh, who knows who else is involved? But Elon Musk has promised that he's going to get to the bottom of it. And you know, I, I saw a tweet uh, that somebody said, you know, Elon Musk has done more to prove 2020 election interference. He has, you know, by big tech, by the FBI, and and specific politicians, and the Biden quote unquote Biden team, and is proving and is doing what many failed to do. Now. In all fairness, I mean, come on, who else would have access to this information other than the guy that just purchased Twitter? But again, what I will say is I wonder, as I said yesterday here on this show, I wonder if this is what they were allowed to see. I wonder how far Twitter went to delete a lot of information. Because again, there, ha there was a transition period when Elon Musk first announced he was buying Twitter all the way to when it was finally in his hands and he's like, okay, I'm locking the servers. And, 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 and there was a time where he like locked the team out and he got his own IT team to start working on it and, and making sure that, you know, disgruntled employees who didn't like the Elon Musk takeover weren't just deleting stuff or sabotaging the platform. And, you know, it's really interesting because he's, he's, he's basically gotten rid of what, like 70% of his, of Twitter employees at this point. I, I don't know what that number is specifically, but I know it's a high percentage of Twitter team has been let go. And, and there was all these journalists working with the fired people uh, saying that like, Oh, you know, he just fired one of the most important aspects and, and departments of, of, of Twitter. And, and now it's not going to run properly and it's going to crash by next weekend. And I remember that. I remember that it was like, I believe it was a Friday. You had all these political pundits, you had all these Democrats, all these people on Twitter saying, hey, just in case Twitter crashes and fails because of Elon Musk firing all these people, uh, make sure you follow me here in Mastodon or follow me here in Facebook or follow me out here on Instagram. And it, it was it became like a viral thing. I, I think it was like a, even like a trending hashtag, if I'm not mistaken, like Twitter shutdown or or Twitter collapse, something something obnoxious. But here we are, you know, several weeks later with with most of the Twitter team gone. And um, uh, it's still working perfectly. I actually I remember seeing a tweet. And I, I kind of laughed at this that um, there was like a, a picture of like the Twitter team. Like this is what the team looks like, and and you know it's just that. And it was like like a bunch of women, right? Like Twitter employees. And I'm I'm sure you guys and I think I've talked about this before where you you would go to like Snapchat or you would go to like TikTok and you see like all these Twitter employees saying like this is what a normal day looks like in the in the life of someone that works in tech. And like I, I first go, you know, I wake up whenever I want. I exercise however long I need. Then I eventually head on over to Twitter or Facebook or Meta. And then I have a, a five-star meal uh, provided by the company. Then I go take a nap because I'm already stressed out from coming to the company and working. So here you have this picture of all these Twitter, ex-Twitter employees, and they were all women. And then there was like an updated picture of, of like when Elon Musk said, you have a deadline. By this time, 
you need to tell me if you're willing to come back into work and work 40 plus hours a day. And so like the picture of like the employees that stayed, they're all men. <laughs> and I'm like, because of course, right? Uh, no, but, but, but in all serious, in all seriousness, I, I, I mean, it was definitely a, a funny comparison. And I think it was like mostly conservative women that were posting like that meme, like this is what the Twitter team looked like before. And it was like 90% plus women. And this is what the team looked like after Elon said that we're going to have to work 80 plus hours a week to, to get Twitter to where, to where it needs to be. And it's all just like people from like India you know, like migrants, <laughs> not even Americans stayed around, you know, no, that's not even a slight to, to, to citizenship. That's just, again, it's just part of the meme, but, um, it, it was just re a really funny thing that went around, but you know, Hey, here, here we are. And sure. Elon Musk is doing a lot, especially to bring back. I saw Laura Loomer is back on Twitter as of today. Uh, Roger Stone has been reinstated back. Uh, there's a lot of people that are coming back to Twitter and, and it's just kind of funny to watch the uh, meltdown uh, by, by, by the, of course, the Twitter left, by celebrities, by journalists, hacks that are going online saying that this is a threat to democracy. It just comes to show, and, and you know, and I'll end it here. It just comes to show that this is what they fear. They fear people of, of, of opposing values, of opposing morals, of opposing political dialogue. To, to be brought back to Twitter and be allowed a, the, a, an equal platform to be able to say the things that they want to say. Now, obviously, Twitter is a private company now. It, it, it can do, it can ban as it pleases. Sure. I've, I've always understood that. But to see the meltdown by the people of like, oh, no, these people are being allowed back on. This is a threat to democracy. And and there was even like a report saying, you know, there were some journalists saying that um, pushing articles that, you know, anti-Semitism is back on Twitter and it's rising. And and, and the, the, the use of the N-word on Twitter was rising. And then Elon Musk was just like, no, it's not. We, we have graphs here to show you. Here, here's my Twitter team. Send me the graphs over, and and we'll show you that it's actually been down, which is true, by the way. Um, I've I've personally know of people that try to push the buttons, and and say the N word or say something anti-Semitic, and I've seen them in real time be completely banned, and then they'll come back and they're like, "Dude, I was just kidding. I just wanted to see. I wanted to test how really free speech this platform is." But look, my advice, I get it. You know, you want to be a child. You want to say the N word. Dude, even if it's for a meme, don't do it. You know what I mean? Don't get yourself rebanned. You know, like don't, don't, don't push it. And you know, you can say, oh, but what about free speech? And this is like, there's, there's no such thing as absolutism. Not in the Second Amendment. Not in for First Amendment. Let's, let's be real here, guys. You know, but that's aside the point. But yeah, I mean, this is going to be very interesting. I'm, I'm really looking forward uh, to the second drop of the Twitter files. We'll be here to report it. And with that, we'll go ahead and wrap it up. If you like the show, make sure you like and subscribe. Make sure you share it on social media platforms. If you like what we're doing here at Inform Daily, uh, you can sign up for our Patreon. Make sure you become a subscriber. Help keep the lights on in the studio. Help keep my producer paid. This guy's got a family. He's got like 13 kids you know, that, that he knows of that he's needed, he needs to support. So again, if you like what we're doing here, continue to, to help us. And uh, with that, God willing, we'll see you tomorrow, Friday. All right, guys, God bless. See you next time.